Sabonis brought it to him. You are listening to the All Pacers Pod, a podcast for Pacer fans, by Pacer fans. I'm your host, Jack, and today I'm joined by Sal. Sal, how's it going? It's going great. It's going great. Well, I love to hear that. And Sal, you're not the only person joining us today because we have a very special guest that will be joining us shortly. You want to talk about that a little bit? For sure. Today marks an important spot in all Pacers history where we interview a current Pacer, current Pacers guard, Kiefer Sykes, and we hear all about his uh, history of becoming a basketball player, his journey to the NBA, as well as touching on his documentary about his college come up in basketball and getting not drafted and playing in Korea and all across the world. Where can I find this documentary? And what's it called? Uh, this documentary is called Shy Town on Amazon Prime, and it's about a couple hours, and it's a great watch. Honestly, I, I watched this documentary a few weeks ago, and uh, it, it's actually very... I recommend it to everyone. I recommend it to everyone. Yeah, and for the best viewing and listening experience, you're going to want to continue to listen to this podcast right now, but play the documentary at the same time. Do you think that's a good recommendation? Um, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, if someone does it, let us know how it goes. Um, yeah. But yeah, man, I'm I'm so excited that uh, Kiefer's going to join us here soon. But Sal, I mean, you're the mastermind behind booking these guests anymore. What's the secret? You know, I, I can't really reveal my secrets because a magician never really reveals his secrets. And uh, I have my ways, I have my connections, and uh, I'm able to pull a few strings to get some coveted guests on, on the show. I love it, man. Yeah, and if you haven't already heard the Dino Raja interview that Sal and Mark did on the Playbook podcast, you're going to want to check that out. It's a great listen. Um, but, Sal, I don't think we should waste any more time right now. I, I think we should just get into talking with Kiefer. Does that sound good to you? That sounds perfect. Let's get to it. All right, now me and Sal are joined by Kiefer Sykes, who, if you aren't already aware, is a guard for the Indiana Pacers, um, has had a long and wild career all over the world. We're really excited to talk to him about his career um, and where he's been, where it's led him to as well. So Kiefer, we're so excited that you took the time to join us today. How's everything going? Uh, first, yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate you, uh, God bless you all. Um, it's a blessing uh, to be here at the places, to be on this platform. So I appreciate you all extending the invite for my voice, but um, you know, everything's going good. Um, you know, I'm close to home, in Indiana, in a basketball town. Um, there's a lot of basketball going on here. And, you know, um, just love playing in front of these fans and playing for this franchise. So I'm blessed. Yeah, we love to hear it. Um, so you're from Chicago. You mentioned close to Indiana. How did growing up in a city uh, that, you know, was a little more violent in the area that you lived in, and um, how did that challenge you as a basketball player and as a man? Um, growing up there? Uh, well, growing up in Chicago, um, first, as far as basketball, is on every block. It's on every corner. Um, it can help you evade uh, some of the, the, the violence that we have, uh, some of the social economic problems that we have in the inner cities of the United States. So um, just having something to focus on um, in, in such a, a prominent, prestigious city, um, you know, just to see Kevin Garnett get his, uh, you know, jersey in the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, him playing basketball in Chicago for a bit. Um, you know, all lists of names go on. We just played in Detroit to see Isaiah Thomas. Um, you know, Derrick Rose played against him this year. But, um, you know, being from Chicago, you're going to compete against, against a lot of the top athletes, you know, within our, within our own city, which gives us, gives, us, gives us an advantage, which is the reason why Chicago basketball culture is so strong and run deep. And, um, you know, all of those tests growing up in high school, you know, seeing all the state tournaments and things like that going on where I was able to compete at a high level, um, you know, got me ready and, you know, got me ready to play Division One basketball. I mean, that's the goal for most kids when you play um, at the high school level in Chicago. So, you know, all of those things have shaped me and, uh, you know, kept me on the right path and um, led me here today as, as a professional basketball player. Yeah, and playing basketball in a big city like Chicago where all that talent that you're mentioning, um, where all that talent, I mean, really, every year that you're looking in Chicago, there's going to be a potential NBA star coming out of the city. Um, 
Who are some of the guys you played with against um, during your time, I guess, high school or even before that? Um, you know, Chason Randall, uh, Frank Kaminsky, um, Mike Shaw, Wayne Blackshear, guys that went on to have, you know, some good careers. Anthony Davis, um, you know, just, just to name a few. Um, trained a lot with Patrick Beverly, who's in the league. He went to my high school. Alfonso McKinney, who was in the NBA for five years so far. Um, you know, went to my high school and, uh, you know, we best friends, went to college together. But, uh, I mean, the list goes on for the amount of professional players and NBA players that you get to play against. You know, you got Jabari Parker, uh, new guys that's coming up. J.J. Taylor that plays for Donda Academy is ranked, um, you know, top in the nation. So, um, like you said, the crop of basketball is always at the top of the ranks um, of high school rankings nationally. And, um, you know, that just get, it just has the bar set so high. When you go growing up playing Chicago, you know, that dream of, you know, trying to go to the NBA or that dream of wanting to play professional basketball is something that we all know very much could come true. So um, it's just been a place of, of a lot of inspiration and a lot of motivation and, you know, help my work ethics and just help me work hard to get to the place that I've been. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, you're working towards that D1 scholarship and that opportunity to even go to college to play ball. Um what did that recruiting process look like for you? And, you know, like we've talked about, in a city that's full of talent, standing out can't be super easy. So how'd that process look for you as far as getting recruited by coaches? And uh, where did that lead you? Yeah, so um, like I said, I was blessed to play Division One basketball. But uh, for me, the goal was just to get, you know, college basketball paid for. Um, at whatever capacity, you know, at whatever I see people play the JUCO level and, you know, become pros. I've seen guys take different uh, numbers of routes. You know, now they have overtime leagues, they have the JBL leagues, they have, you know, all these different um, platforms and all of these different, you know, avenues and journeys that you could take, you know, prep school, like I said, with Donda Academy, things like that. So, um, yeah, high school is, is definitely very hard to stand out. I would say I was blessed. Uh, I was lucky. I, I I I carved out some space for myself by taking a unique path. You know, I grew up on the south side of Chicago, but went to school all the way on the west side, which was like an hour commute uh, both ways. So, um, you know, wanted to go to this powerhouse uh, and you know just give myself a chance to play Division One basketball where um, you know D one coaches were coming into. So, Chicago, the landscape of so many high schools that you want to go somewhere where, you know, you have a chance, where there's a powerhouse where you're going to win, and you know, you're going to get recruited. So, um, you know, for me, I focus more on the high school basketball than the AAU circuit. And uh, I, I had closed my commitment early after my junior year. You know, once I saw a team was interested in me um, and my talents, uh, I didn't really wait around um, on other schools or wait around for my senior year for other schools to come in. So uh, once that, uh, that, that school, Wisconsin Green Bay, showed me that loyalty, and um, the situation was right for me. I signed to that mid-major in Horizon League and, you know, went on to be one of the best Horizon League players, you know, in the history of, um, you know, in, uh, the NCAA, in, in that conference in the NCAA. Yeah, while you were at uh, Wisconsin Green Bay, you had a four-year career there, pretty stacked uh, career. You were two times uh, Horizon Player of the Year as well as a member of the 14-15 Wooden Award watch list. Can you talk a little bit about your career and – uh, moments that stood out to you as a leader of the team? Uh, first and foremost, then, yeah, on top of that, I got my degree. <laughs> I graduated. It's funny that, you know, people, you know, say all the uh, accolades and things. But, you know, my four years, yeah, I went there, I graduated. So, you know, that stood out. That, that showed a tremendous amount of leadership, a tremendous amount of uh, resilience, perseverance, um, you know, to finish school from eighth grade to high school to college. Like, that's a lot of years of school. So, uh, you know, I'm one of the ones that say I, I, I did it and also playing in the, in the league. So, you know, being in the league right now and, you know, seeing how all these guys are so young, uh, that shows that that's something that's very special. That's something that's uh, really meaningful and that's something that's rare. That makes me rare. But, um, yeah, my collegiate career was um, nothing short of amazing. You know, I was able to go to a school where they had two senior guards leaving. And my first year, I was able to get inserted in the starting lineup within about 10 games. And, um, I just never look back and just continue to get better and just work hard and, you know, work my way up to, you know, with being on the NCAA uh, just playing field where, you know, all the numbers are even for high majors and, and mid majors, the stats. I just wanted to be, uh, you know, in the history books of our school and uh, find ways to stand out 
and, um, you know, just make a name for myself. And that was something I did uh, and got a lot of uh, just teams and people interested and, you know, became a professional basketball player and won a lot of games along the way. Before we move on, I got to mention some of the guys that were on this Wooden Award watch list with you. Uh, Buddy Heald, Karis LeVert, um, Malcolm Brogdon, Miles Turner. And then, like, if, you know, if all the Pacer fans out there listening, Joseph Young and George Yang were also on that list. So you got some current Pacers and some current teammates that were on that list with you, which was kind of crazy to us when we were looking this up ahead of time. So, I mean, even being at Wisconsin Green Bay and being recognized for a list like that is such a huge deal and honestly a bigger accomplishment than um, guys at some of those bigger schools. So, I mean, clearly you had a great career there, which led you to your professional career, which got started with the Austin Spurs in 15-16, which was the G League team. So I, you went undrafted. And then what's that process after the draft look like for a player like you who didn't hear their name called on draft night? Yeah, so my my, my journey is, is, is special. So if you saw the movie that I have on Amazon Prime called Chi-Town, um, you know, the Cavaliers had picked me up at the end of the draft and I did summer league with them. And then right after the summer league in July, I quickly changed teams and went to the Spurs and went to training camp and preseason with them under, you know, Popovich tutelage under, um, you know, a bunch of Hall of Famers of, uh, you know, you got LaMarcus Aldridge, you got, uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard, you got Tony Parker, you got uh, Tim Duncan, and you got Manuel Ginobili, um, you know, all really high profile guys and, you know, a lot of other, you know, champions, Danny Green, just a lot of other great champions around Boris Diaw. So that was a special, special, special time for me, um, you know, with, you know, Pop getting the most wins in NBA history. Um, you know, I took that experience, um, took it to the G League and, you know, took it abroad with my career and, um, you know, everything that they said and they did stuck with me. And, um, you know, now I'm here and was able to just play them a couple of days ago. So, um, you know, right back in that same gym, the AT&T Center. So, um, for me, uh, that, that rookie year was everything, uh, going from college to actually being a professional where all the responsibility are, is on you and your agent and your camp and your team. And uh, just, you know, being focused and, you know, not playing for a university and, you know, kind of just playing for yourself. And that and, and standing out that way is even harder. So, um, yeah, I, I had to work my way up. And, um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a really a better place to do it with just a, a team-oriented and championship pedigree franchise like the Spurs. Yeah, you mentioned uh, in your documentary that your father's favorite team was actually the Spurs. And did that hold a lot of sentimental value to you when you joined the Spurs for that preseason? Of course, uh, that, that held a lot of weight. Uh, is why I made the decision to switch the teams. I could have still went to uh, training camp in preseason with the Cavaliers. Um, you know, uh, you know that, like I said, with, with that being my dad's favorite team and, you know, me speaking that prior to the draft, it just seemed like something that was divine when they called and gave me the opportunity. And, um, you know, I knew that I will learn so much more. I will learn so much from a point guard like Tony Parker, who was like me, who was quick, fast, was good at the middle shots, was good at finishing around the basket, um, and was continuing to extend his game beyond the three-point line. So, um, you know, seeing guys like Patty Mills who worked their way up small guards, I, I just knew that would be a place where I could learn a lot and thrive. So, um yeah, he'll wait for a lot of reasons, and it was uh, def definitely successful, even though I was cut, but um, it's it successes in, in, inside the journeys of the ups and downs. So let's actually talk about some of those other teams that you played for. You, in 17-18, went to Turkey to play for, I'm, I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, uh, Ankara DSI, and you were immediately the go-to guy in that team. What's that situation like? You know, you leave college, go to the G League NBA you know, you're not the first option in a, in a lot of ways, but then all of a sudden you're on Turkey and you're the most important player on that team. Yeah, so uh, prior to that, I played in South Korea. My rookie abroad, uh, won a championship, uh, run a regular season, and uh, it was just two imports, so um, a lot of pressure on me for sure. Uh, but after that, I knew that playing in Europe would help my game, as help my decision-making. So um, that year in Turkey was my first year in Europe where – it's said to say that you're playing real basketball that's abroad rather than, you know, in Asia where um, the responsibility is more on just scoring and getting wins. Um, you know, in Europe, they value the game possession by possession. And 
you know, really smart teams, franchises that's been, um, you know, in existence for a long time. So, um, you know, for me, my team wasn't that great. Uh, we were battling injuries all year. Uh, coaches changes, like I said, normal ups and downs that, you know, built me to, to this day today when I'm able to see the trades and things like that with the team. But, um, yeah, it just built me um, so much to learn, so much about the business, so, so much about my decision-making. And uh, I led the league in scoring that year, which, uh, you know, kind of set a tone for my career in Europe going forward. Yeah, would you say that you play across the Europe and Asia? So would you say that fans uh, in those uh, continents are quite different than the fans in the U.S. and, like, Pacers fans? 100%. Um, you know, some, for some fans don't speak English, so it's just you can't interact with them uh, from that standpoint. Um, I would say a lot of their fans are more into the game, more energetic into the game, possession by possession. As in, you know, in the NBA, you know, once the team go on a run, uh, people get engaged and, uh, you know, down the stretch, people get engaged. But, um, you know, those fans are, are built to have nothing but, you know, basketball or nothing but sport uh, to run their lives. Uh, you know, it's pretty much family oriented over there, less busy than all the things in the, in, in the technology that we, you know, dabble into here in the States. But, um, yeah, there's still fans that still love, and I, I'm blessed to have fans all over the world, to be honest. So Italy was next um, in 2018, 2019. Then China, the year after that, you went to Italy again for, I, I believe, six games. Greece, Australia. I mean, and you played with some guys that kind of just blew my mind that you played with along the way. Guys like Luis Scola, Shelvin Mack from Butler uh, down there in Indianapolis. Huge Shelvin Mack fan. Um, Andrew Nicholson from the Magic, if those of you listening remember that. Norris Cole as well. And yeah, that journey along, you know, like I said, Italy, China, Italy again, Greece, Australia. What's that like for someone going to all these different cultures and trying to adapt? Yeah, um, it was it was actually amazing for me. It was something that I did intentionally to speed up my learning curve, um, you know, put myself in positions where I was in these places for a short amount of time, for a short stint, which was, which was most of the cases like one season, like I said. In some cases, it was like six months. I mean, uh, six games, two games, uh, eight games. And it felt more like a 10-day. So, um, you know, I was just trying to work to adapt and also see how I could bring my value to different places, how I could challenge myself, especially after I won – championship my first year abroad, I was just all about just trying to put myself in the best situation. So like you said, um, you know, being with great coaches, uh, Coach Messina that played, that coaches Milan, that was with the Spurs and being with great vets like Sergio Rodriguez who played in the NBA as well. Uh, you know, guys that, um, you know, play, um, you know, big time basketball in a big role for their country um, in, in, the, in the Olympics and and the, um, the FIBA and the, and the World Cup and, and things like that, just uh, big-time basketball side of the NBA that, uh, you know, Americans in these countries, you know, play and fight for. Um, you know, I've been on teams and, and been able to compete against a lot of these guys and these teams and these talents. So um, just working myself up to be one of the best talents in the world and just seeing the best and seeing the most and doing it in a short amount of time, the shortest amount of time possible was pretty much now that I think of it, my goal it was like an internship, something like that to get me prepared for where I'm at today. So, um, you know, it was amazing to play, you know, for some of the best coaches, some of the best players, and you could trust that I was, you know, sitting under those guys, you know, soaking up as much information I can, asking as many questions I can, and latching on to these guys who are greats and who are, who are great and, you know, made a great career for themselves. And, um, you know, it definitely built me, built me up today. Yeah, for sure. Like all these adjustments that you've made going league to league and across the world did you say that would you say that this put an advantage on your skill set when having to adapt to like when you came into the nba since you already knew how to adjust like team to team would you say that coming and playing for the indiana pacers was somewhat easy to integrate yourself into their system a hundred percent i wouldn't say it's easy but um you know with me playing seven years and being a rookie that experience do matters that experience do count that resiliency um just knowing how to prepare um, knowing how to stay mental, mentally sane, um, knowing how to bounce back. Um, you know, with me being able to do a lot of things on the floor, play defense, being able to lead the team, being able to run plays, being able to play the one position, being able to play the two position when Tyrese is in, and you know, put, getting put in all these positions with only a short amount of time and just trying to learn and adapt from it is something that I, you know, want to do. So, 
you know, people could look at the box score and maybe say, oh, he didn't score today, and he scored a couple points. Uh, but, you know, I, I made sure I defended and, you know, did the best for my team and communicated and kept kept us flowing. And, you know, the games where I've been able to have big games, uh, been able to bring that to the team as well. So I just try to be versatile and bring a lot to the game, um, like you said, for people to recognize. And um, that's, that is something that I picked up from being, a, being abroad and playing different roles for different teams, different high-level teams. I got to talk about what could be your favorite moment of all time. I don't, I don't know, but it's the TBT. You're on Bayheim's army. And this was the moment that Sal called me and he said, Hey, this dude's legit. You got to look him up. I, I had no idea about this tournament. Um, or I, I knew what it was. I didn't know who you were before this, but you hit the game winning shot to win a million dollars for Bayheim's army. Is that the best moment in your basketball career? Um, I wouldn't say the best moment in my basketball career. Um, obviously, playing in the NBA is, is amazing. Um, you know, that helped this. But, um, you know, playing in the NBA is remarkable just to be inspired by, you know, playing against these guys um, and also, you know, playing myself in the NBA is uh, something that's, you know, that's really remarkable. It's really amazing. Um, you know, to see uh, Trey Young hit, hit us with 47, but just to see these things and get inspired to know that players are this good and that I could be this good. You know, you see KD score 53, just looking around the league. Kyrie Irving scores 50, and um, it's the greatest league in the world. So, um, yeah, the shot was amazing because, yeah, I did help us win a lot of money, <laughs> help us win a championship. Um, and, um, you know, I, I played that whole tournament coming off the bench, which shows you, how much I'm of a winner I am. I feel like um, it, it was no coincidence. And, um, you know, everything happened how it was supposed to with, you know, me hitting that shot and, um, you know, all the hard work I, I put in and, and um, you know, just how it all came full circle and just got all that, 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 that media attention and that attention around the world. And people gave me so much respect for my game and people still give me respect for, my, for that shot. Uh, it was something that definitely did wonders for me um, it's something that will last forever in history. I mean, at least Shams and Woj made it sound like you get you got signed like right after you hit the shot. Were you already in talks with other NBA teams before this game, or was it like legit instant? Your phone was blowing up, or was it like that? Or no, it wasn't like that. I had actually signed to the Pacers a couple of days before. Um, you know, after the draft, which was like late July, I believe, this year, and um, you know, the championship was like August third. It was my son's birthday, actually. Um, so that was amazing how it happened. But, um, you know, we were looking for a team just because I said I want to stay and play in the NBA, things like that, which is betting on myself. And, um, you know, I signed the Exhibit 10 deal, as, as you all know. Um, you know, they released the information. Great, great PR. Great for me. Great for my family. But, uh, you know, like I said, it's been up and down a year. I was cut to start the season um, and continue to work my way up. So uh, just continue to be resilient, continue to be strong in every league that I've been in and just just completing myself as a basketball player each and every day. Yeah, and with all the injuries and COVID-related things that have happened in the NBA, you know, especially with the Pacers, we have injuries, it seems like, constantly, or at least news come out. So we had, uh, we were short on guard play. Brad Wanamaker gets the start, and that's not what he was asked to do when he signed with the Pacers. He wasn't asked to be a starting guard. It didn't totally work out, and... You, who were leading, I believe, the G League in assists at the time, got called up to the Pacers and were almost instantly put in the starting position. Had the probably your the highlight game of your Pacers tenure so far against the Warriors eventually, too, which I, I want to dive a little deeper into that here in a minute. But um, like I said, you led the G League in assists. You came in, you ran the offense with the Pacers almost immediately. What's that like playing with some of the top talent in the world and just being asked, you know, to go out and run this offense? Yeah, it feels amazing playing for, like I said, NBA team, Hall of Fame coach. But um, like I was saying, I feel like I, I belong here. Like, I, um, you know, when you at, when you at this level, you have to know that you worked hard to put to be here and, and everything is earned and that you deserve to go out there and compete. So um, that's just my mindset. Um, each and every day, but um, it's definitely I've been a blessing to to be in the NBA, to be with the plate, to be with the Pacers. Uh, like you said, I had to really, really work uh, for my opportunity. Um, I was able to start and continue to be adaptable. Now moving off to the two, 
position sometimes with Lance and Tyrese um, taking a one most of the time. But but uh, all of these things are, are grooming me and growing me, I believe, for what I was to come next as well. So I'm um, just working to finish strong. Let's talk about that Warriors game. It's tied going into overtime. The Pacers starting lineup, which you were in um, as the starting point guard, but it was a bunch of guys who don't normally start. And we were just devastated by injuries at this point. And it seemed as though the Warriors were supposed to just run over this Pacers team, you know. But we tie it up right before overtime, and you get five quick points in succession and give the Pacers the win. What's that like being matched up against Steph Curry and then having a moment like that? Um, it, it's everything to be matched up against him. Um, you know, I learned so much just from you know guarding him and, and physically seeing his moves, seeing his nuances, seeing the angles and seeing where he comes up the court, how is he trying, how he's trying to attack and score with him being one of the, the best and, you know, the best three-point shooter the game has ever seen, you know, due to his recent record. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's nothing short of amazing to, you know, play in the league, match up against these good guards. Like you said, to get that win, that game was on TNT. Yeah. Um, you know, that game was kind of like a coming out party for me with so many eyes on that game. And, um, you know, I'm just continuing to work for those moments, work to make waves, work to make splashes. Uh, you know, it, it's definitely not easy, you know, playing different roles and some games you play, some games you don't and, you know, just learn the system of the league. But, you know, luck has always been on my side. Like you said, you know, people get injured, people get COVID. I just always stay ready and uh, knowing that when my time come, I just perform the best that I could be. Um, I want to take it back to January 4th when uh, Pacers played the Knicks. Uh, this, I think, was your career high in the NBA. It was 22 points. You had six assists as well. Uh, I, I saw you make some crazy shots that I never thought you could make. Would you like to credit um, any of your game or any specific of your signature moves uh, to any coaches or players that you learned from along your way to the NBA? Not really. I mean, I worked hard to, you know, create those shots and those avenues for myself. So, um, you know, I definitely had a lot of help uh, in Chicago. I'll, I'll thank Chicago for, you know, just putting a dog to grit to fight in me just to, to be the best that I could be in. To show that I could, you know, when you come from Chicago, just the belief that you can make it to the league, and just the belief is there because you you see all the players that that do it. So, um, you know, I just tribute my success to my city, and you know, continue to work hard and make them proud. I want to talk about your documentary briefly. I don't want to give too much away because I'd love if you guys are listening right now, go check it out on Amazon Prime. It's a great watch. When did that opportunity come up for you to make this documentary, and what did that look like creating that? That was amazing. Um, so, you know, this group just started filming me in college and, um, you know, that was something that that's been special, has been tangible to my heart, to me and my family has been able to tell my story, uh, create a lot of opportunities for me. Um, you know, something where I just thought my life um, getting documented was just something that would just be normal, like, you know, to see how people see my life and for it to be normal. But uh, that grew me a lot to help my dedication, help make me just continue to be special to help me, you know, balance a lot on and off the court. So, um, you know, all of those things that happened in that movie with me losing my dad, me being a teenage parent, uh, me getting filmed, people forget, me just being filmed helped me grow up, grow up fast and, um, you know, help me just learn how to, you know, balance a lot of things to, the, you know, the capacity of what I had. We really appreciate you taking time to um, join us on the All Pacers pod this week. Um, we have enjoyed watching you as a Pacer so far, and we hope to continue to watch you as a Pacer for years and years to come. Thank you so much, man. God bless you. I appreciate you. All right. Well, just want to extend another thank you to Kiefer Sykes for taking the time to be on this podcast. Sal, what are your initial thoughts post-interview? I mean, I'm, I'm really uh, happy that, I mean, Kiefer's a nice guy, well-spoken guy. Uh, he was open to talking about things. He didn't give any dry answers that were really, I don't know, like seeming like he didn't want to be here, but it seemed like he was grateful to be here and happy that he got the opportunity. Way to, way to go booking him for this podcast. I, I feel like we've gotten to watch you, us at the All Pacers Pod community, we've gotten to watch you grow into a potential media mogul. <laughs> yeah, uh, I hope so. That's the goal at one point, you know? <laughs> Yeah, one step at a time. Don't let it get to your head, man. Yeah, I'm too, I'm too big for this platform right now. I got to extend my own thing. We only had a, a certain amount of time to talk with Kiefer, so we didn't get to go through everything, but 
as you know, me and Sal do our research for this stuff. So we have a ton of stuff that we're going to talk about a little extra too. Plus there's some NBA news uh, relating to the Pacers that we're going to talk about too, just to kind of fill some time on this episode. Um, but Sal, we got to start out with the biggest piece of news, which you just told me a G league signing just occurred during this interview. So NBA superstar or former NBA superstar rookie of the year, um, Tyreek Evans, uh, Tyreek, the freak Pacers legend. Um, I think every fan has a special place for Tyreek Evans in their heart. And uh, it's I'm glad to see him back in the league. I mean, well, not in the league yet, but maybe soon. Uh, he's in the G League. Uh, Milwaukee, or is it the Wisconsin Herd? I think that's what their G League team is named. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm happy for him. I mean, it looks like he's clean now. So, yeah. Could be good um, for him because the Bucks did just lose Bembry, I believe. Yeah, season, season injury. Season injury. Yeah, so maybe they're making some moves they're seeing if he has what it takes still. I I mean, being out of the league for two years and not playing basketball, I, I don't know exactly what his routine was, but I'm sure, you know, he's a little rusty. But who knows, man? Maybe he still has what it takes and we'll get to see him torch the Pacers. Actually, we don't... We, I watch Bucks games. I know you don't watch Bucks games, so maybe we, maybe you won't see him torch. I'll, I'll tune in. I'll tune in for his uh, his Milwaukee Bucks debut if that happens. Awesome, man. Um, well, let's actually because we were talking about this post podcast, me and you, um, or not podcast, sorry, post interview. Real quick, we we just talked about Sykes Summer League and like who was on the team with him, but I just wanted to read this to you because I haven't told you this yet. And we didn't get a chance to talk with him about it either because, I mean, some of the, like I said in the interview, some of the teammates he's played with along the way is, it's just wild. And it kind of makes sense because he's played so many different places, but um, just kind of wild, like all the paths that he crossed with different players. So we got to start with the Cavaliers in 2015, 2016, that summer league. And most Pacer fans probably know this name. Rakeem Christmas was on that summer league roster. I know that name. I know you love Rakeem Christmas. I know nothing about him except that he was on the Pacers at one point and that he's like kind of like a running joke, but yeah. All right. Well, maybe you don't love Rakeem Christmas. Uh, <laughs> I loved Rakeem Christmas, his choice of jersey number because he wore number 25 the day in December that Christmas falls on. So very creative. Oh, didn't know that. He played with Quinn Cook, 2015-2016. I uh, played 2K with Quinn Cook in the same game. Oh. Pretty, pretty exciting. Uh, Quinn Cook, Anthony Davis, LeBron James. All For real? Yeah, I know. Uh, it might sound like I'm lying, but uh, there's some people that covered this. Like huge, This was LeBron's first time ever playing 2K, and I happened to load into his game. And, and oh, my God, it was nuts. Like an what? hour of just running around. Yeah, I know. You've never heard about this, but... Uh, like I, you could see me in YouTube videos. I'm running around in my, uh, I've got my Kanye West face scan with my Sabonis jersey and Pacers shorts, just running around. It's 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 pretty it's pretty funny. No way! What you got to send a link? Uh, and uh, if it's on YouTube, if you can find it, send me a link. I want to see. Yeah, it. and Kyler Murray. Uh, I know. What? Uh, yeah, Kyler Murray was in that game. He was fanboying over LeBron. So, dude, that's insane. Kyler Murray is on the same gaming squad as Bronny James, I believe. So I guess maybe that's the connection. I don't know. Uh, shout out Quinn Cook for being part of that. Yeah. Yeah, Quinn Cook. Wow. I don't know if you're the bigger winner or Quinn Cook's the bigger winner. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Quinn Cook was on that summer league. It feels weird transitioning back into this. That's a crazy story. Yeah. <laughs> crazy. Um, Joe Harris was on that summer league roster. If oh, you yeah. He, he was a Cavalier at one point. Yeah, he was a rookie with the Cavs. Same with Danny Green. Same with Danny Green, yep, twenty or two thousand nine, two thousand ten season. Yeah, his was his was earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you won't know this name, but one of my favorite all time Hoosiers, DJ White, was on that Cavalier summer league roster. Shout out DJ White if you're listening. Uh, twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen Warriors played with Landry Fields. If you remember that name, yeah, I know that name. Damian Jones, Patrick McCaw, three time mm-hmm. NBA champion. Yep. Um, NBA champion with your home country, Toronto Raptors. 
Yeah. And uh, one of your favorite players all time, Royce O'Neal. Hell yeah. Kind of fun right there. There's a ton of names I didn't write down to, but I just wanted to write down a few from each just to kind of go over. I thought it was fun. Uh, Nuggets 2019-2020. It also kind of, you know, like reading these summer league teams and like when he played uh, with those teams, it just kind of shows you like how much he moved around too. I mean, obviously we talked about being in Turkey, Italy, Korea, China, Greece, Australia, like all of that. But in the middle of all of those stints, well, not all of them, but in the middle of a certain amount of those stints, he was coming back to do summer league for three games or whatever. And just like blows my mind that he was able to do all of that and be, and remain sane, I guess. Um, yeah. But anyway, Nuggets 2019, 2020, Michael Porter Jr., Jay Sean Tate, Jared Vanderbilt, and Terrence Davis. Didn't know Jared Vanderbilt. I thought he was a wolf for like his whole career. I don't know how that works. Couldn't tell you. I guess not. I think he was traded. Maybe. I uh, you might be thinking of... Oh, I mean, Jeremy Grant. Maybe I'm mixing him up, but... Um, or maybe I'm having like a really casual fan moment right here, which I don't <laughs> usually have, but... No, I think we all know you're far from a casual fan. I used to be. Not now, though. Yeah. What, what do you think, like, the... How long does it take for a casual fan to become an NBA fan if they really want Ooh. to be um, a legit I, I messed NBA this fan? up, yeah. Jared Vanderbilt played two seasons in Denver. I don't know how I... I don't know. Oh, um, I totally <laughs> forgot about that, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just can't picture him in a Denver Nuggets jersey. But uh, anyways, back to your University question. University of Kentucky, by the back, way. Back to your question uh, about the casual fan thing. Um, I mean, for me... I'd say I was like probably a casual Pacers fan for like the first couple seasons. And then like, I mean, right after that Boston series is when I kind of took things a lot more seriously and like did my research, did my, got more passionate about it, you know? Well, I'm glad you did because you booked Kiefer Sykes <laughs> for this, this podcast episode. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, well, he was also on the Pacers 21-22 summer league roster and we all know how that mm-hmm. went looks really good in the summer league and sorry what were you gonna say i said we were all really focused on chris and isaiah or not even really isaiah but chris so well also goga Maybe if i remember right, right goga was having a hard time traveling back no he had he had a it wasn't even that i think it was something with his like father or something like he had personal issues oh okay yeah but he came back late is what it was. Huh? I think he played like, I don't even know if he played, but I think he played max like two games. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we were all focused on Duarte because no one really nobody liked him. Nobody liked him going into the summer league. <laughs> nobody. Yeah. I mean, we could rewrite history here, but I guess it's too late. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll fess up to it. I, I wasn't hyped about the pick. Obviously, you got to love Chris Duarte now. Um but, yeah, I mean, he kind of – Kiefer kind of flew under the radar for a little bit there in the summer league. And then, obviously, since he was an Exhibit Day ex- – Exhibit 10 day contract – no, Exhibit 10 contract, excuse me. That means that if the team were to waive him before the season, then he has a contract lined up with the summer league affiliate. You see it happen with Amita Brimo a lot. Yeah. That's how I even learned what an Exhibit 10 contract was in the first place because I mm-hmm. could see in Brima was signing these Exhibit 10 contracts. I figured I should look it up. But, yeah, he signed that, made a name for himself, at least within the Pacers organization with the Mad Ants, and uh, obviously the rest is history. So, super cool, man. Uh, how, are, how are your thoughts on the Pacers, like, lining up to what they've been in the past right now? I mean, are you, are you feeling good about your Pacer fandom? Did this add some new life to you, talking to Kiefer? Yeah, I mean, there were some things that maybe I wanted to say, like talking about when you brought up Brad Wanamaker, I wanted to like say my little spiel about that, but you know, I got to keep it professional. So uh, Brad, like I wanted to say like when they cut Brad to sign Kiefer, like every Pacers fan was like super ecstatic because I know a lot of people like, not even that Brad was gone, but like a lot of people like really liked this like like Kiefer who like no not every fan knew about, but like a lot of fans knew that like he was a legit like, like 
he was an experienced. I, I don't even know if you want to call him like a rookie, but he's more of like a veteran basketball player, not an NBA player, but a basketball player. Well, I mean, and he did what the Pacers needed at the time, which was get other players involved. Brad yeah. Wanamaker was selfless. not thriving. Yeah. yeah, Brad Wanamaker wasn't thriving in that opportunity, and I mean, that's not what he was asked to do in Indiana when he came in in the first place. Things changed, obviously, injuries, COVID, all that stuff, and I talked about that with Kiefer in the interview, I believe. But, yeah, I mean, Kiefer was just in the right place at the right time, man. Um, and I want to talk about the past couple of games – as well so I want to just talk about the Spurs game for the Pacers which ended up being a win that was on March 12th we won 119 to 108 and this was one of those games where it was a tank a -a tankathon or at least that's how I viewed it coming in it's what team can tank better because the Spurs you know are near the bottom we still have some games on them I, I hate to say lead because I know there are some Pacer fans out there still that hate that the Pacers are losing. Man, I don't get it. I do not get it at all. You know all. what? If you're still listening out there, we appreciate you for listening. But at this point, you know how we feel, so I'm just going to ignore it. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we uh, are kind of in a race with the Spurs to get that better yeah. uh, lottery yeah, chance. for sure. Yeah, but ended up winning this one because this team actually is kind of good. You know, like I, I feel like the more I look at this roster it's, and yeah, the more that good. they're it's talented. Yeah, there's but, a ton of talent and they're growing together. So obviously there's gonna be some wins that we pull out here towards the end of the year. I mean my philosophy for this season is like I'm okay if you win one in every four or five games. Just make sure you're consistent with the losing, try and compete next year. But when I'm at that Raptors Pacers game, you better win that game. I'm not. Oh yeah, I, <laughs> I gotta watch the boys win, or at least not get blown out. Because I know last year to the year before that we lost by like 50 to them. So I, I cannot, I won't be able oh, to handle yeah. sitting in that arena down 50. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good thing we still have Jeremy Lamb, the it's, Raptor killer. Yeah, it's a great thing that Just we have kidding. Jeremy Lamb. <laughs> uh, Kiefer Sykes had nine points in this one, or this one, one for two from three, three for six from the field. Great numbers. Um, and yeah, Pacers won this one, one nineteen to one hundred eight. Let's go to the next and final game we're going to talk about, which is our loss to the Atlanta Hawks, which you kind of expect to win or you want to win against any Nate McMillan squad here in the future, and you would think it should be an easy win with Nate McMillan as the head coach, but we lost this one, one twenty eight to one thirty one, and uh, yeah, I was I was stoked. Trey Young though who tends Kiefer, to play Kiefer great. touched on that a bit. Kiefer touched on that a little bit with like mm-hmm. Trey Young. He's yeah. talking about like how it's like a Trey Young masterclass of like 47 points. But uh yeah, crazy. Trey does know. that against us, man. He does. He torches the Pacers. 7 for 10 from 3, 13 for 20. Kind of crazy 14 for 14 from free throw. Jeez, I didn't even look at that. Wow. Yeah, wild. And he didn't even play the most minutes on the team that game. Man. Must DeAndre, be nice having DeAndre Hunter. DeAndre Hunter. I uh, am going to take back what I just said over you. I said, uh, must be nice having Trey Young. I love Halliburton and our guards. I would not want to change a thing. I'm just going to be on record saying that. But, uh, hey, Tyrese Halliburton had 10 assists. Proves my point that if you aren't betting well right now that you need to bet the over on assists on Halliburton every night I'm telling you man that's how I'm making my money right now like five 50 cents 75 cents at a time I'm just racking Mm -hmm. in those quarters man like I'm not a big better but yeah you know even with the little that I have I'm making money because Tyrese Halliburton has been helping me out so shout out Halliburton, obviously, we love his development. Him and Heald both had 25 points. Isaiah Jackson, your boy, had a double-double with 15 rebounds. Yeah. And that's against, you know, a team Cl- that... Clint Capella's played. fallen off, though. He's fallen off, but they still have a Kongu off the bench. And he played more minutes than Clint, so... Yeah, I mean, they, they don't have bad big men there. Isaiah Jackson's figuring it out. 
Uh, you called it. He's he's going to figure it out sooner rather than later, and he's it seems... better than Chris. He's better than Chris. Chris Duarte? Yeah. Whoa. I know. It's a hot take, but he will be better when all's said and done. Just just saying that. Maybe well, he can he has... look back in a couple years and like clown me for this or like throw back to when Sal said this stupid <laughs> thing, but... Isaiah's my boy. Well, he does have a, what, five-year lead? Yeah, five-year lead. So. For development. Yeah. <laughs> four-year lead, so. Yeah, four-year. Man, so crazy. But, yeah, Isaiah Jackson looked good. I mean, all of our guys looked good in this one because the Hawks can't really play defense. Um, yeah. But uh, neither can we because we're a young team, and it takes a while to figure out if you're yeah. a young team. Yeah. And also, if you're starting Buddy Heald, probably not going to be that great at defense either. Um. So, yeah, I mean, fun kind of stretch coming forward for the Pacers, too. Hopefully we can lose some more games but stay at least competitive and see some good signs at least uh, going forward. I feel like we've seen all that we really need to see as far as what to expect from this team in the future. My biggest thing is, like, just stay healthy at this point. Like, if you need to rest some guys just because the future's bright. Yeah. Yeah, maybe go for it. I mean, I don't know if this is really Pacers related. I mean, it, it is Pacers related, but he's not on the team anymore. But uh, Karis LeVert just came back after missing two weeks or three weeks almost. Uh, five for ten, just uh, one in overtime against the Clippers. Um, 11 points, seven rebounds, three assists. So, it's Yeah, cool. I'm hoping he figures it out. I mean, yeah. uh, he's going to be limited to a small role. He's just going to become like like a Norman, like uh, like a Jordan Clarkson type player if he's on Cleveland because he's not going to progress past that. Yeah. That's not a bad role, though. For for him, I mean, be a spark plug off the bench, six man. I called him like... the savior of the Pacers at one point in my life. And <laughs> I, oh, man. <laughs> How hey, I mean, fast my opinions changed. I mean, there was a lot to be excited for with him coming in. Um, he's a fun player, no doubt. He's herky jerky too. Like I just, he's such a unique guy. When it's when he's driving to the basket, you never know if he's gonna stop on a dime, make some crazy step that like leaves you in the dust if you're defending him. Uh, he's just a unique player. I, I say herky jerky because that's the best way I know to describe it. But he, I mean, he definitely has all the talent in the world. Hopefully, it can work out for him as far as role going forward. He yeah. might have been a little spoiled in Indiana. A little bit, yeah. Maybe. Which we all thought he was. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, that's all the games. I mean, we have a few more games coming up at Houston. If we want to move up in the lottery, we probably need to lose that game. I don't see it happening. Detroit's been kind of hot recently, too, so I, I don't know how all that's going to look. But Corey Joseph, revenge game. Another one, another revenge game from Corey Joseph. He's done it to us, though. Didn't he do it to us earlier this season? We we played Detroit. I swear March he had like 4th. twenty points. I swear he had like twenty points. He had uh, seven on March fourth against us. Um, I don't know when. When else did we play them? It was it recent. Let's see, Detroit, 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 Detroit. We played them on December sixteenth. And we won that one, 122 to 113. So I don't know if that can count as a revenge game. He didn't play. What? So why did I think he had 20? And then we played November 17th, beginning of the year. They won. And he had 18 off the bench. You That's what it. it was. That's what it was. That's nice. what Good I was memory. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, sorry you had to listen to me <laughs> look for the Detroit game. <laughs> You're scaring game. me. You're scaring me. <laughs> um, yeah, but we got we got some games coming up that we probably could win talent-wise at Houston on Friday against the Trailblazers on Sunday, um, uh, against the Kings on Wednesday, next Wednesday. So I, I don't know who's better between the Pacers and Kings. At this point, it's kind of a toss-up. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we have some games that could be winnable, and we'll, we'll see where the Pacers end up. I still have us making it to the fifth best lottery odds. I think that's where we're at right now. We'll see how it all shakes out, but... What what are your expectations? Man, if we jump in that draft, I don't even know like how there's going to be a smile on my face all summer no matter what. Like jeez, if if we're watching that lottery and like Adam Silver doesn't pull our card at the 5th pick, oh, I'll be ecstatic. Yeah. For sure, man, and get one of those big men. If Jaden All Ivey we need is top, top 3. Four. All we need is top 3. 
All like, we need is top three. Jaden Ivey's cool, but I want Jabari, Chet, or Paolo. Chet is yep. on my last on the three, but like Jabari or Paolo is the perfect pairing for Tyrese. Uh, Chet is the top one of those three for yeah, me. Yeah, but he's like, he's not as like physical as like. I, don't I know. know what you're. He's thinking. more of a guard though. No, I mean he's, I a, he's a big thinking. guy, but he's like weaker. You're worried he's going to have the same kind of role as Isaiah Jackson. Mm, not really, look, but like I don't know. He's, look, man. Isn't he a ball handling like seven footer? Well, you want like the Jabari Smith, Paolo Benchero, where they could they could play the four alongside Isaiah Jackson, right? Or Goga. Even that, like, I just think they're more going to be able to, like, develop better with Tyrese. I still think Tyrese is the guy you know, for at least for a couple of years. Yeah. I still believe that he's untouchable for the Pacers. 100%. 100%. I feel like his stock's only risen, but at the same time, he seems more tradable. I don't know if that makes sense, but... Uh, I never, I'd never mention his name in a trade. If I were the Pacers for the next seven years or something. Yeah. I mean, unless someone's like, hey, we'll give you seven first-round picks and Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Danilo Gallinari or whatever it was uh, for Paul George. But, yeah, um, I'd be happy with any of those three bigs. Who knows? Maybe they could fall out of the top four, too. I don't know. We'll see how the NCAA tournament shakes out, too. But we'll see. We'll see where the Pacers end up, man. Um, But, anyway... I feel like we've filled plenty of time for this podcast. At this point, I would bet we're over the hour mark. So, you have anything you want to say before we leave? Um, no, but I hope everyone enjoyed the Kiefer Sykes interview. Uh, it was a great one. Oh, hey, I know you want to shout out the person that got you connected to Kiefer Sykes. So, shout out. You will remain nameless. Yeah. Um, if you want to give him a shout out, feel free. I'll, I'll leave it nameless because I can't I can't give up my connections. So uh, <laughs> let me uh, we'll just keep it anonymous and but shout out if you're listening. You I gotta who, say you it's, know who you are. It's unexpected, yeah. but you know who you are. It's a very unique way to get an interview, and uh, you thought outside the box, man. So props to you. Yeah. Well, let's wrap this thing up. Until next time, I'm Jack. That's Sal. You're listening to the All Pacers Pod. Peace out. Sabonis says, you want me, Joel Embiid? Come get it, because I'm going to give it to you. Are you kidding me? Sabonis brought it to him.